This is a Federal News Network podcast. It's time for Fed Talk, the live show for Feds in the Know. From federal agencies to Capitol Hill, the attorneys of Shaw, Bransford, and Roth bring in experts from across the federal community to bring you inside the issues. Fed Talk is meant to provide general information about legal issues. However, the views expressed in this program are not intended to provide legal counseling. Listeners are cautioned not to rely upon any statements made in resolving legal issues they may face, but instead to consult with their own attorney about specific situations. Attorneys are not engaged in providing legal services while appearing on the program and are not responsible in any manner for the consequences that may stem directly or indirectly from reliance on any statement made during this program. Good morning and welcome to Fed Talk. Today is Friday, March 12, 2021, and I'm Tony Bernetti, the founder and president of Feds Protection. So there is a lot going on in the federal government these days. We have a new administration, as most of you know, and you know, career federal employees are dealing with anxiety, or what we're hearing is anxiety about transitioning the new administration in. There are obviously, you know, COVID issues that, that everyone is, is dealing with. There are return to, to work issues, um, you know, and then when you add that to the fact that, you know, really for the past several years, two to three years, every time you, you turn the TV on, uh, it seems like there is a, a new story um, involving a federal civil servant career being attacked by the media or other stakeholders. You know, and we are sort of really indeed dealing with some of the most challenging times for, for federal employees, federal managers, federal employees in general. Um, and at least from where I sit, you know, representing and defending, um, you know, federal employees, even kind of pre, you know, pre the current COVID environment, you know, the kind of the new normal was, you know, all these press releases, um, you know, attacking them. And they're often used as what I like to call political pawns um, in whatever the latest, you know, political agenda or case or controversy was. You know, we saw it a couple of years ago in the government shutdown. Um, you know, we saw it in the divisive political environment. You know, these certainly these past um, four years, you know, whether it was news outlets, political officials, you know, or just the public, every single day we saw examples of hardworking and dedicated federal employees, you know, being attacked. And then when you add that to something, you know, as, as, as large as the, as the pandemic, you know, it, it really makes federal employees kind of that much more exposed. So for today's show, that's a big lead up to kind of today's show, I'm going to do something different. Um, you know, I want to use this platform. Um, you know, I've, I've only done this a handful of times in the almost two decades since I've been hosting this show, which is to talk about my company, uh, Feds Protection, which is the leading provider of professional liability insurance for federal employees. And we kind of want to do so, you know, within the, within the context of of laying the groundwork for, you know, all this, what all this uncertainty means for federal employees and you know how federal employees can can protect themselves with the professional liability insurance policy you know so while i think many of us can agree that we really have not experienced anything like this pandemic in in our lifetime you know we at feds you know have been at the center of almost every major event impacting federal employees so from waco 9/11 the wars torture investigations Congressional investigations involving, you know, IRS, GSA, ATF, the VA, and most recently the, the impeachment proceedings. The insurance has really been there, you know, kind of, kind of every step of the way. Um, so we want to kind of draw upon those experiences for you today, um, and you know, highlight what we think we think is um, going to be in store for you. And I guess I'd like to start by welcoming um, on the show with me, uh, Brenda Wilson. Brenda is our Vice President of Programs at Feds, and Brenda has worked here for, um, I don't know, almost 12, 13 years now, and she's had many, many roles and positions along the way. And I, and I really, you know, um, asked her to be on the show today because she really has her pulse on what the federal community is feeling during these, these trying times. I mean, she works day to day 
with the with the various federal employee associations that that endorse us. Um, so you know, kind of the idea for the show was, was hers, and I just thought it was a great idea. So so good morning, Brenda. Thanks for being here. As if you had a choice. <laughs> you know, I'm waving to you like like everybody else can see me. <laughs> This is radio, not TV, and we're both. And I don't let everybody know we're both dressed for it. Um, so, so for today's show, I kind of want to just start with a with a history and some background um, about Feds uh, professional liability insurance, followed by an, an overview of what we think is this new normal for federal employees and their professional exposures, and then. And we'll give some real kind of core breakdown as to what the it's insurance or what the coverages are. Um, try to keep that, you know, exciting for you. You know, and then we'll, we'll jump into some real world examples, you know, because I think that's what makes the, the, you know, the policy or the worth of the policy really, really resonate with people, you know, when they're able to kind of see what these real world examples are. So they can say like, you know, thereby, thereby the grace of God goes me. Um, but before we dive in, I want to remind everyone that Fed Talk is brought to you by the Federal Long-Term Care Insurance Program. The Federal Long-Term Care Insurance Program is sponsored by the U.S. Office of Personnel Management. It's insured by John Hancock Life and Health Insurance Company under a group long-term care insurance policy that is administered by the Long-Term Care Partners, which is now doing business as FedPoint. To learn more about them, go to ltcfeds.com. That's ltcfeds.com today. So a real quick sort of overview of, of feds you know, and the liability insurance. Um, I started the company back in 2007. I used to do all the legal work off of a competitor program out there and really saw an opportunity where we can put some into the marketplace that you know really did right by federal employees. You know, I always say I didn't give up a very successful law practice to become an insurance agent. So we're really kind of trying to run, um, you know, run a program does that, you know, that does right by federal employees, you know, a real down and dirty overview of what the insurance covers is most federal employees are surprised to learn that they don't have absolute immunity for um, personal capacity lawsuits like they do for lawsuits under the federal tort claims act. So it provides indemnity protection um, there in the event that they're ever sued in their personal capacity, provides legal defense in the event that the Department of Justice declines to represent them. And we'll talk a little bit later, um, you know, what, what, that, what that means. Um, it also provides coverage for administrative investigations and disciplinary matters, which for a lot of federal employees is the real bang for your buck, you know, kind of the real, you know, the real meat. Um, to what the policy um, is used for. It also provides coverage for any act or omission that results in a criminal investigation you know, of you. Whenever I talk about criminal investigations, a lot of people gloss over, but look, there's just very little, because you know, you're, you're a dedicated federal employee, you didn't get up this morning to violate you know, the criminal code, but there's just very little you can do wrong um, in the federal government and not also have it be a a violation of Title 18, which is the criminal code. The federal government wants you to have this insurance. That's why they, um, Congress passed legislation requiring federal agencies to reimburse you up to one half of the cost of the insurance. So that's for managers, supervisors, law enforcement officers. If you're an intelligence agency, it's typically 100% uh, reimbursable. So you'd want to talk to your your HR departments, um, you know, about, about that. I want to kind of just give out our website and real quick up front here, and then we'll, we'll, we'll give it out throughout so that, you know, we're probably really only going to be able to scratch the service to, the surface today. So, you know, if you want more information, you can go there or give us a call. It's fedsprotection, F-E-D-S protection.com. Um, or you can always call us at 866-955-FEDS. That's 866-955-3337. Um, just quick, we have a variety of, of we're going to talk mostly about the federal employee policy today, but I do want everybody to know that we have a, a variety of, of policies available. In addition to the federal employees, we have federal task force officers. These are your, your state and local police officers that are assigned to a federal task force. 
you have court security officers. Um, these are um, usually former law enforcement officers that are deputized and working with the U.S. Marshals Service to provide security at the federal federal courthouses. We cover military police officers. We cover federal flight deck officers. It's like what I like to call Wyatt Earp in the sky. These are your pilots that are allowed to fly, fly armed under the Arming Pilots Against Terrorism Act. We cover state and local veterinarians. We provide uh, law enforcement officer safety act coverage. This allows you know, federal officers to carry their weapons concealed off duty. We cover retired federal law enforcement officers um, for LEOSA coverage as well. Um, and as well as, um, you know, federal, cover federal contractors. Um, so that's a lot of talking for me to kind of just do a real, a real quick um, overview. Um, we're going we're gonna to stop here for our first break. You're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Network. When we come back, um, I'm going to you know, invite Brenda to kind of talk about this, you know, this new normal that, that um, federal employees um, you're, have to deal with in, in 2020 and 2021. Uh, but we want to hear this word from our sponsor first. Make long-term care insurance part of your retirement plan. Long-term care is expensive, and it's not covered by traditional types of insurance plans. With benefits designed specifically for the federal family, the Federal Long-Term Care Insurance Program offers a smart way to help protect savings and assets and remain independent should you need long-term care services someday. Start planning for the future. Take the next step and visit ltcfeds.com today. That's ltcfeds.com. Welcome back to Fed Talk on the Federal News Network. I am Tony Vernetti, and I'm here with Brenda Wilson. We are both from Feds Protection, which is a leading provider of professional liability insurance to federal employees. Uh, before the break, uh, Brenda, I sort of gave a, a real high-level overview of, of Feds and, and the insurance, and sort of why we think it's important. Um, you know that federal employees, you know, are aware of it. You know. I, I should mention, you know, I really founded Feds on a platform of education um, because I want federal employees uh, to be aware, you know, of what's available to them. Because I always felt in my former law practice, um, you know, that that quality legal representation um, was was often cost prohibitive. That they just sort of knew about this insurance, um, you know, they would be fully covered. So that's kind of you know the passion you know I bring to the table. You know, I know you bring to the table and, and a lot of our employees at Feds bring to the table. But why don't you kind of like just set the stage uh, for us, um, you know, you know, because the idea for this show is really yours. Um, so I would like for you to kind of set the stage of, you know, why now that we thought it was important to use this platform um, to get the information out to the federal community um, in addition to everything else we do. Well, it's... It's because both agency and association leaders are expecting more from us, more from feds, from both an educational as well as an informational standpoint, so that federal employees understand what professional liability exposure means, um, what the policy covers, because it's different for federal employees versus um, employees that are performing in the private sector. Um, you know, why it's become such a necessity over the last decade and um, that they need to have it in place before an incident takes place. Um, so let's, let's talk about the um, federal employee associations first. The leaders of these associations are concerned about the increase in external factors leading to internal uh, turmoil and investigations involving federal employees. We work very closely with every leading federal employee association, uh, FLIOA. The yeah, tell our listeners, you know, rattle off some of the ones that we work with. Um, you know, FLIOA, uh, WIFLE, the Senior Executives Association, Federal Managers Association, Professional Managers Association, the Association NASA, which represents uh, AUSAs, uh, the National Association of Federal Veterinarians, um, you know, Social Security Management Association, um, who, you know, when these leaders for the very first time, they're 
they're having to address situations and problems, number one, that never existed before. They're uh, concerned and angry about how often their members are getting caught up in agency investigations, propelled by politicians pushing political agendas. And, you know, they clearly see how much more vulnerable they are now uh, for various reasons than they were just a few years ago. And some of these, like you, you rattled off the, the, the acronym FLEO, WIFL, um, FLEO stands for the Federal Law Enforcement Officers Association, as most, you know, Fed Talk, you know, listeners know, they were frequent guests on, on here and women in federal law enforcement. Um, officer, you mentioned, you know, a lot of this stuff is, is politically driven, um, you know, but there are sort of other um, stakeholders out there and things. But what's kind of like new, you know, we'll get into 2020 and 2021 here in a little bit, but kind of, you know, what's new, like in the past three or four years, you know, I think with sort of how, you know, the news sensationalism works, social media um, you know, how, have, you know, how has that resulted in kind of, you know, more scrutiny being placed on, on federal employees? There's a handful of things, you know, we, we mentioned political agendas, you know, you mentioned the new sensationalism, um, 24 hour news cycles have led to this, um, sensationalism phenomenon. Um, and it matters because ratings matter and, narratives are propelled um, or buried by some based on their personal or political views. And, you know, we also, we, we have the issue of social media. Um, I don't think people, federal employees understand that their life can be turned, you know, upside down in an instant without information being questioned, verified, fact-checked, um, or explained. Videos that provide, you know, incomplete or no context are quickly and widely disseminated and then opined about. Um, you know, public perception, it, it matters now more than ever. Um, special interest groups, um, if you talk to any EPA, ICE, BOP, or regulatory agency employee about their experience with special interest groups, um, you'll see that they've witnessed uh, good federal employees becoming involved in or embroiled in these investigations involving special interest groups. And I mean, just like I said, this is new for everybody. Um, but for federal employees and their exposure, their liability exposure, these things have, um, they've changed the game just in the last four, five, six, seven, eight years. Well, and the other thing that has changed a lot is this sort of, you know, this, you know, this, this scapegoating, this need for kind of immediate um, accountability you know, this sort of immediate placing of blame, you know, and, and we like to, you know, blame the politicians, but, you know, I mean, career leaders are, are guilty of it as well. Um, you know, we're, you know, the sooner, you know, you know, they can point the finger, you know, you know, say that we're, we're, we're dealing with, with this, this, and this, um, you know, it's, the hope that the, the news story blows over. I mean, we're, aren't we, we're seeing just a lot more sort of, I guess what we would call demands of accountability, right? Absolutely. One, one example that comes to mind, if people remember, if you remember the, the GSA scandal, um, you know, the, the, what I like to call the party in Vegas. Okay. There was, you know, a, you know, there's a lot of news reports about the, the excess of, you know, funds and, and, you know, and money that, that was used there. Um, yeah, I'll never forget GSA came in, you know, look, they took swift action against the, the underlying individual there for, for the, you know, who was involved in that, that big, you know, Vegas party and things like that. Um, but what they also did is they ended up firing four regional directors that really weren't involved um, you know, in the underlying thing, 
But in my opinion, and I can say this because I don't, you know, work for the federal government or anything like that, they were simply just trying to send a message, um, you know, and, and, and trying to, you know, say that, you know, to the extent we had this culture of excess here at GSA, we've dealt with it by, by firing these four senior executives, um, you know, and that was kind of a, you know, an overreaching thing in the name of, quote, you know, accountability. And we'll probably get into this a little bit later. You know, of the four, one of them did have um, liability insurance with us, um, you know, and he was able, you know, we had to litigate his case all the way through the MSPB um, and he was able to get his job back, whereas some of the others, you know, had to kind of do it on their own, had to pay, you know, hundred to $200,000 of their own money out of pocket. And I believe two just sort of decided to retire because they were, because they were, you know, eligible. You know, but we are seeing, you know, at least now this, this sort of this immediate sort of demands of, of, of accountability. You know, I think the things that we mentioned earlier about, you know, what's what's changed every time, like you said, you turn on the news, there's something, you know, you know, we're involved. Uh, federal employees are involved in whatever situation happens to be on the news that evening. But, you know, people don't wait anymore to point the finger. They don't, they don't wait for um, an investigation. They don't, they don't wait to, you know, the allegations aren't even laid out yet and people are already pointing the finger. And, you know, you, you think about that with, with these COVID issues and, you know, the extent of damage caused by COVID, people can't wait to point the fingers. They, they just, they, they want it to go to be pointed away from them. And, you know, anyone who was around for the 9-11 commission hearings, they know how awful they were and how small that was in comparison to what's inevitably going to come out of COVID decisions. Right. And, 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 and what Brenda is talking about a lot there is, is, you know, there is a, you know, like we did a webinar last year, you know, talking about, you know, will, will there be a COVID um, commission? You know, and, you know, we think there will be and we think there will be impacts of, you know, the, the COVID virus. You know, obviously, for anybody who works for or is involved with any of the public health agencies, um, you know, you could be at the, you know, at the forefront of that. But we just think, you know, the impact, you know, is going to be far, you know, far beyond that. And when you talk about in terms of accountability, you know, whenever you have something, you know, that's that's serious, um, that involves loss of life, you know, and there's anger associated with it. There all there's this overriding desire, it's public's desire to assign blame and accountability. Um, and when you can't do that, when it's not readily, you know, available, look, if somebody kills somebody, somebody murders somebody, somebody starts a fire, somebody commits a crime, somebody does something intentional you know, you have somebody to blame right away. That's right there. But you have something like an airborne virus, for example, um, you know, you're kind of at a, at a loss as to where to, you know, assign the blame. There's this overwhelming desire, you know, when wrong happens in our society to, to assign blame. Okay. You know, it just, it is what, you know, I hate to say it is what it is, use that saying, but that's really, you know, what's going on. Um, and we, you know, predict that you're, you are going to see that, um, you know, as people, as we get, we're still getting over the pandemic, right? Everyone's in the process of getting vaccinated and things like that. And before we went on the air, we we're all talking about when, you know, our various places of employment are going to, are going to open up, but it's going to happen in 2021. People are going to get vaccinated. They're going to be back. Um, you know, and, and I just predict just like, although it's different, like with 9-11, that there is going to be a lot of what we call 2020, you know, hindsight. We're going to have to stop here for our second break. Um, when we come back, um, we've been talking a lot about, you know, COVID-19 impact. Um, I want to ask Brenda um, to talk a little bit about what she's hearing from our, from our good friends in the law enforcement community about the, the social justice movement um, and how they perceive that for them. So we'll continue our discussion after a word from our sponsors. You're listening to Fed Talk on the Federal News Network. 
Make long-term care insurance part of your retirement plan. Long-term care is expensive, and it's not covered by traditional types of insurance plans. With benefits designed specifically for the federal family, the Federal Long-Term Care Insurance Program offers a smart way to help protect savings and assets and remain independent should you need long-term care services someday. Start planning for the future. Take the next step and visit ltcfeds.com today. That's ltcfeds.com. Shaw, Bransford, and Roth. One team working all three branches. Judicial, legislative, executive. Judicial. SB&R employment attorneys offer specialized legal representation for federal managers. Legislative. Lobbyists in government and public affairs advocating for corporate clients. Executive. Produces two free weekly newsletters, Fed Manager and Fed Agent. Shaw, Bransford, and Roth is your one destination for all three branches of government. Online at shawbransford.com. SB&R. Client-focused. Results-driven. Welcome back to Fed Talk on the Federal News Network. I am Tony Vernetti and I'm here with Brenda Wilson. We are both from Feds Protection, the leading provider of professional liability insurance to federal employees. Uh, before we took the break, Brenda was talking to us about um, the stuff she's hearing from the federal community, um, the, the, the things that the folks are, are concerned about, um, you know, dealing with, with you know, COVID the past you know, year and a half, you know, kind of like all the back to work issues that they believe is going to be on the forefront. Um, but uh, I did want to ask you, Brendan, because because uh, a lot of our, our, our insureds are in federal law enforcement. We're endorsed by the leading federal law enforcement officers. Um, you know, there was a big movement, you know, over the summer um, that sort of impacted, you know, you know, the perception of those, you know, in law enforcement. Um, you know, what have we, I guess, heard from, from you know our associations um, about that and kind of like what it what they think it means as far as their you know their vulnerability and their exposure. Well, the underlying theme is fear. Um, they're fearful uh, for for themselves, for each other, for the um, profession as a whole, um, the the agencies as well. You know, they're um, you know. When we did that webinar over the summer, um, it was our, not only our most attended, but it was our most watched. It was our um, most requested webinar. And then out of that, we, you know, we couldn't even keep up with the request to do question and answer sessions and, um, you know, for small groups, for large groups, we couldn't even keep up with the requests to, um, talk about the exposures, the vulnerabilities from, from a criminal perspective, from a civil perspective, as well as an administrative perspective. So, um, you know, I, I don't mean to, to lump it up all into one word, but, but it is, it's fear. Right. Right. You know, yeah, that is what we were hearing. And that was one of our most widely attended, um, webinars. And, you know, that's certainly still available on our website at fedsprotection.com. I want to shift here a little bit and ask, um, you know, what, you know, the agencies that you've been in touch with, mm-hmm. um, as far as providing um, information about these new kinds of exposures and things like that, you know, what what are you hearing from the various federal agencies that that we work closely with? You know, just this week we have these issues um, regarding you know the new administration, which you know we know it's it's not new. We frankly we see this you know every with every administration change. Um, you know we've got the old and new issues arising out of COVID matters uh, popping up, creeping up. Um, we have the overwhelming safety and new social issues that agency managers are dealing with. Um, this is. This is tough stuff that, you know, I can't even keep it straight. And, and we're writing the articles for this. I mean, there's, there's a lot going on here. Um, we have heightened vulnerabilities um, with, you know, arising out of domestic terrorism, um, the controversial economic and environmental and, and policy issues, um, which, Again, you know, we could sit here and have a whole show just about that. Um, and then we've got 
you know, I, I said, you know, we're getting calls this week, Department of Education, HHS, ICE, BLM. They're concerned, like we mentioned earlier, about public perception leading to problems for their employees. You know, we've talked and written about this issue so many times over the last several years. Um, but what people, what federal employees need to understand is that the public must have trust in the, in the people, the processes, and the systems of the federal government. And the, the process for that to take place is through, through Congress, um, agencies themselves, and, and IG investigators. Um, and one of the things that I think people really need to understand is even if the information out there is incomplete or erroneous, and it, it very often is, the bottom line is public perception matters. Well, and the other thing, you know, that, that we are seeing and that we are hearing um, is when there are major policy shifts. So we have a new administration coming in um, and there are new policy shifts. So let's just use one example, such as immigration um, and things that are, are, that are happening, you know, at the border. You know, if you're a CBP officer, if you're an ICE officer, um, you know, you know, the, the, the changing priorities and the dynamics, um, you know, have you on edge, you know, create anxiety that there's going to be, you know, scrutiny investigations for maybe for stuff you did under the previous regime and policies that are now coming into scrutiny, or maybe you're not fully on, on, on board with, with what's going to be kind of the new way. Um, to do business or, or if you're identified with doing things, um, you know, the way that the previous administration, um, you know, did. I mean, we, we had a lot of this when um, the Obama administration came in after, after the Bush administration. We had a lot of that in the intelligence community. It's like, hey, if I wrote a memo at the CIA about waterboarding or torture and things like that and, you know, and, and said that it was legally permissible, you know, is that are they going to now come in and you know say that it wasn't or somehow this is going to get within the scope of, of, of criminal investigation? So when you have big policy shifts, um, you know the the average federal you know everyday you know federal employee sometimes could get um, inadvertently um, um, caught up caught up in that. Um, so you know, last night, um, just last night, seven uh, seven thirty, I. Um, got a call from a tribal police officer in California. And we were, I was, I was at football practice with my son and uh, I happened to tell him, Oh, it wasn't late for me. You know, I said, I'm in Chicago. You're fine. And he said, well, he says, you people in Chicago um, in the Midwest, that's what he said. You people in the Midwest and on the East coast, you have absolutely no idea what's going on down here. And I, before I could even get anything out of my mouth, um, he said, the amount of, he said fentanyl, the amount of that that is coming in every day is enough to kill every person in the state of California. He says, it's scary down here. And, and you know, my point for bringing that up is that, you know, people make assumptions and they point fingers and, and they think they know what they're talking about. Um, and that's just simply not always the case. And, um, you know, this guy was, was, was really fearful. Um, and he had worked, he had an entire career, um, on the, the state side or the local side. And, um, now, you know, for a handful of years, he's been on the federal side and, you know, it's, it's, it's fear that he has not experienced before. Mm. So I want to just shift gears and kind of, um, if you all would indulge me, I want to just, you know, spend about, you know, five to 10 minutes here um, and get into some just more specifics because um, we get the question all the time um, as to what, what the insurance covers. Um, before that, let me just kind of, you know, highlight the positions um, that, you know, that are the ones, you know, that have more exposures than others, you know, are the ones that strongly, should consider um, the insurance. Obviously, if you're eligible for the reimbursement. So if you're a manager, supervisor, executive, um, you're in law enforcement, 
you work at the CIA, NSA, or one of these other intelligence agencies, um, you mean you're eligible to have one half of it paid for by your agency. That's an employee benefit. You should not be leaving on the table. Um, the government wants you to have the insurance. That's why they pass um, legislation. Um, you know, so you should really be thinking about that. Um, you know, if you're anybody that's that's you know making decisions on, on public policy or, or things that impact you know the public or the or the community, um, you should definitely be considering you know whether a policy is appropriate before you. You know, if you provide any any medical you know, or financial or any other kind of professional service. This is the federal employees, you know, malpractice policy. This is the federal employees, you know, errors and emissions policy, if you will. Um, if you're a contracting officer, if you're a COTAR, if you're obligating federal funds or contracts, um, you know, there, there's a lot at stake there. There's often a lot of investigations. There's Anti-Deficiency Act vulnerabilities. Um, you know, that is something, you know, you know, that you should consider, you know, if you regulate any products or, you know, entities involved in securities matters, so, you know, that stuff, you know, that, that could end up in, in claims, you know, even if you're just providing advice, you know, or lawyers are providing advice, um, you know, you know, even more than you know, are assisting United States attorneys, if you're agency lawyers and you're providing advice. Um, employee relations people, if you're in HR, you know, and you're providing advice, we are seeing people um, being under, you know, placed under investigation, you know, simply um, for the advice um, that, that, you know, that you've been, that you're giving, you know, so those are all, you know, you know, we think, you know, you know more than anybody what your vulnerabilities are out there, um, you know, but, you know, from what we see um, day to day, um, you know, those are the kinds of, of employee groups, um, you know, that, you know, that have the most vulnerability that we see, you know, filing claims day in, day in and, and day out. Well, you know, and you said that, you know, people know what their vulnerabilities are. Um, I don't think that's always the case, to be real honest with you. You know, I, I was looking at the loss reports last night um, and our loss reports, our internal loss reports, and outside of the Big Ten um, that we are providing coverage for all the time, you know, we've got, I mean, I know you, you mentioned the contracting officers and the grant officials, physicians, veterinarians, judges, but, you know, we've got a handful of groups that are, are driving claims up, um, you know, um, the Department of Interior, uh, IRS, FDA, um, HUD, USDA, um, SSA. Uh, EPA, um, FSIS, APHIS, you know, we've got these, these groups that are driving claims up and I don't think people, you know, it's, it's my perception and I could be wrong, but I, I don't think people understand how vulnerable they are. In my, you know, 25 years doing this, you know, being a federal employee myself and working with federal employees, I mean, it just goes in cycles. You know, it could be the FAA, you know, controllers that are that are in the box. It could be the VA. It could be ATF. You know, it can be you know a variety of different groups. You know, you know throughout the the government. Like I always say, you're just not going to get through a career anymore, um, in my opinion, and be doing your job. You know, and not sort of find yourself you know facing some sort of level of scrutiny. We're going to have to stop here for our final break. When we turn, we're going to continue our discussion about professional liability insurance for federal employees. You're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Network. Make long-term care insurance part of your retirement plan. Long-term care is expensive, and it's not covered by traditional types of insurance plans. With benefits designed specifically for the federal family, the Federal Long-Term Care Insurance Program offers a smart way to help protect savings and assets and remain independent should you need long-term care services someday. Start planning for the future. Take the next step and visit ltcfeds.com today. That's ltcfeds.com. Welcome back to Fed Talk on the Federal News Network. I am Tony Vernetti, and I'm here with Brenda Wilson. We are both from Feds Protection, the leading provider of professional liability insurance to federal employees, and we are entering our last segment of the show. Um, and we would like to sort of end the show and giving you some some real world examples. Um, I know I promised that at, at the start of the show, 
Um, but I want to kind of quickly kind of just go through the coverages again because we had thought we would have um, more time. Um, so civil lawsuits, you know, if you are sued in your personal capacity, the policy will provide you indemnity protection in the event that DOJ represents you and you lo they lose because it still is a personal case against you. It's still your pocketbook. So if they refuse to indemnify you, the policy will provide coverage for a million or two million or three million, depending upon the the limit the limit that you that you purchased. It also provides legal defense. The Department of Justice declines to represent you for that personal capacity lawsuit, and that most often happens if you're being um, investigated, let's say, for some sort of misconduct for the very same reason that that you're being sued. Um, so that's civil lawsuits. Um, Administrative and disciplinary matters. This is any kind of investigation. So any OIG, any congressional, any office of special counsel, whistleblower investigation, any EEO investigation where you're a responsible management official, any kind of management directed investigation that could result in a personnel action against you, um, you're going to be covered. You're going to be appointed an attorney, what I call cradle to grave from the start of the investigation up until the conclusion. Um, in the unfortunate event that there's a disciplinary action taken against you, you will be appointed an attorney to defend, both at the agency level, at the agency administration, administrative level, and then for any appeal that you're entitled to, say, to the Merit Systems Protection Board, you know, or Foreign Service Grievance Board, depending upon, you know, you know where, where you work. Um, it also covers, uh, like, state state board or state bar or medical board investigations, if you're licensed, um, if you're a lawyer, if you're a doctor, it would cover any referrals to those licensing um, boards as, as well. Um, so that's kind of um, sort of the administrative, civil, and then I mentioned criminal investigations. You know, any act there mission that results in a criminal investigation, you would be appointed an attorney to defend you know, throughout the, the investigation to kind of get in there and really, you know, convince you know, the Department of Justice that they do not need to be investigating you for criminality, that they're, you know, whatever happened wrong here, it can be dealt with, you know, on the administrative, on the administrative um, side of the house. So that's kind of like a real down and dirty, um, what the, what the insurance, um, you know, covers. Um, I'll flush that out a little bit as, you know, Brenda's going to go through some real world examples here, um, in the, you know, in the, in the few minutes that we have left here, um, and hopefully we'll be able to flush some of that out. So Brenda, I'll let you, um, take it over with some of the, some of the more recent examples we've had over the years. Well, just, you know, examples just from the last couple months, um, HHS OIG, on vaccine research funds, uh, DOJ, OIG on attempts to overturn the election. Um, These are investigations involving individual federal employees, you know, that are being done by the Office of Inspector General at the various federal agencies. Um, and while these are often, you know, administrative investigations, OIG investigators are criminal investigators first, so they will start as criminal investigations. That is something you do not want to be navigating, you know, out there on your own, you know, without having legal advice. Well, and I think, you know, just talking about, you know, the January 6th riot, we've got employees at, at DOJ, DO, DHS, um, Interior, Defense, um, you know, that's, that's a lot of agencies. To be involved in that incident. Um, right. Like at, at first blush, people would think like, okay, well, if you were the, you know, the Capitol police officer that, that shot somebody, or if you were somebody, you know, right there at the, at the gates, you know, or, you know, you know, things like that, we could see that involving you, but you know, it involved a lot of other agencies, you know, the, the DOD agencies, you know, you know, ICE and a lot of different other law enforcement agencies, you know, here in the district. That was even surprising to me how broad, how broad, you know, in scope that investigation is right now. Yeah, is <laughs> um, and will be. Right. Um, it's going to be scrutinized uh, for a long, long time by a lot of people. Um, 
you know, I can't even remember who we did this, this last webinar for. Um, and we put together a bunch of um, recent news clippings and they're all over the board. Um, and I mean, we know this. Um, the unfortunate thing, I think the hard thing about when we talk about the insurance is that we can't talk about specific events happening right now. Um, I think people can relate better when you can talk about those things that are happening right now. And the way that we did that in this last webinar is we, while we can't talk about the individual claims, we can, we can read, <laughs> you know, what the, uh, the headlines are. And, you know, I, I, if it's okay, I just want to give you a couple of examples here of what we, we were able to pull right off the internet, you know, um, Bureau of Prisons, coronavirus response is under fire. OIG conducts investigations that involve employees and affected departmental programs and operations. Um, BLM decisions come under new scrutiny, questions on energy leases, national monuments, and conservation plans. And IRS employees called to testify before Congress. EPA employees facing removal over demands of accountability. USDA employees, employees face investigations after a lawsuit is filed by a special interest group. I mean, it's like, I know we addressed some of this um, earlier, but you know, you just go down, VA hospitals back under scrutiny, investigations into improper contracting procedures. We have this whole list. We, we had so many of them that we couldn't even fit them all on the slide. And this is just recent. Right. And those are just normally the, you know, the start of the investigation, you know, and, and the, the, the anatomy of a, of, a, of a case against a federal employee is, is, you know, often it starts with the investigation. It can result in disciplinary action. You know, it can result in a lawsuit. Um, you know, if you take the case um, of um, Project Gunrunner involving um, ATF, Fast and Furious, where it was alleged that they allowed um, guns to walk to Mex quote Mexico, and you know whether that was involved in in you know the the tragic killing of Border Patrol agent um, Terry, um, which it wasn't, but um, that you know that's a good example of how you know it touched upon all three areas of the policy. You know, it was a criminal investigation, it was a congressional investigation. It was an IG investigation, and it ultimately ended up in, in personal capacity lawsuits that, you know, that, that, that had to be defended. Uh, you mentioned, you know, congressional investigation. So one that, you know, that we can talk about, you know, is the, the, the um, first impeachment proceedings. I never thought I'd be saying that first, <laughs> um, you know, in the past couple of years, but, um, you know, involving, um, you know, we you know, Ambassador Bill Taylor, for example, was one of our insureds that um, had to testify. So this was, you know, that's a scary thing for the average civil servant. Um, and often it is the career civil servant that gets served up to Congress to have to go up there um, and testify. And I talk to these people day to day in here and it's terrifying, um, you know, and so the impeachment proceedings, there were a lot of people that called us um, you know, there were a handful that had the insurance. They were happy. They were able to get legal counsel assigned. There was a bunch that did not. And they had to scramble. You know, we, we gave them what advice we could, but they had to scramble. Um, and not only find legal counsel, because um, that's just not something you want to go up there and do by yourself, but not only find legal counsel, try to figure out how you were going to how you're going to pay for it. Um, and that's a, another important part of the insurance I just want to mention is like all insurance, it needs to be in place, you know, before the underlying act or emission happens. You know, you can't get in a car accident on Monday and think you can buy your insurance on Wednesday and provide coverage. Or like I like to say, is the time to get your insurance is not after the National Weather Service names names a hurricane. Um, well, we have, you know, we have these, these poster boy or poster girl situations that, um, that were, that strike a chord with, with the employees. You know, you, you mentioned the name Will Clark or Chris Deedy or uh, uh, Catherine Lunderville or Lois Lerner. Um, you know, there are certain 
names that we can mention in certain circles, they get it and they get how it, it, it spans across all three areas of exposure and all three areas of the, uh, the professional liability policy. I mean, you know, and this is what we try to do. We, we try to, you know, go to great lengths to kind of give these examples, um, you know, because that's the biggest, um, you know, barrier I have found, you know, over, you know, 25 years of doing this, you know, is, is a federal employee, when you think about discretionary insurance like this, a federal employee, you know, they just don't think they're going to do anything wrong or they don't think their agency is going to, to turn their back on them. Um, you know, and so it's sometimes hard for them to conceptualize that and, you know, and, and think, you know, that they're going to, you know, it's almost like they have to envision themselves, do something intentionally wrong to, you know, actually, you know, need insurance like this. Um, and what I, you know, after years of trying to convince them, give all these examples that we give, I used to have something called yesterday's headlines, today's coverage. You know, when you talk about the cost of the insurance, which is, you know, just $290, $390 annually after the reimbursement, it's $145 to the individual um, insured. I mean, you can buy the policy for your entire career um, and never need it and just have it there as peace of mind and never actually use it. I mean, you spent five, $6,000. That's not going to change your standard of living, you know, when you retire. Okay. But if you get caught needing legal representation, um, you know, and you've got to pay $50,000, $100,000, $150,000, which is what it can cost um, to represent you, um, you know, that is, you know, going to impact, you know, your standard of living when, when you retire. You know, I used to always joke when I was in private practice, I couldn't afford me. I would just go get a, you know, I would just go get another, another, another job, but you don't have that luxury when, you know, when you've, when you poured your heart and soul into your career, um, you know, and, and, and this is what, this is what you're doing. We are, we are running out of time. So I want to just give our, our website out again. Um, it's fedsprotection.com, www.fedsprotection.com, or you can give us a call at 866-955-FEDS. That's 866-955-3337. And you can ask us any question. Anybody who answers the phone can answer your questions. Um, there's a wealth of information on our website. There's a, there's a slew of webinars you can click on and listen to. Um, or if you want to talk to Brenda or myself, you're welcome to give us a call. Um, so that's all the time we have. And Brenda and I want to thank all of you for tuning in. And hopefully we have provided you with some useful information. Um, even though I think we only you know, scratched the surface. A reminder that FedTalk is brought to you by the Federal Employment Law Firm of Shaw, Bransford, and Roth. Have a great weekend, everybody.